Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Govs on the Go Alumni Edition, a podcast featuring alumni from the College of Arts and Letters here at Austin P. State University. My name is Dr. Bozun. I'm the dean of the college. I'm also the host of the podcast. And today I'm talking with Reggie Edelman, who graduated with a degree in communication arts back in 1989. Reggie, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, and we're going to talk a little bit about the communication arts degree and what it was from Austin P. back in the 80s. But um, we're going to start with what's going on in your life. Can you give everybody a life update? Where are you? What's going on? Well, uh, a lot of people that I went to college with remember me as Reggie Athnos. Um, I got married later in life and became Reggie Edelman. And I have returned to Clarksville after nearly 40 years, well, 35 years of being gone. And um, with my husband, we have grown children, often living their lives. And um, I decided to be here kind of centrally located, uh, close to family and old friends. That's awesome. And we're going to kind of go about because, you know, there's so many different connections that you had here, not only at Clarksville and Austin P, but also to Tennessee. You went away and and with maybe the idea that those are in my rearview mirror and here they are, <laughs> they're back again. We're going to talk about how all those things connect and how funny life can be about that. Um, but let's let's go back to your origins. And I think, um, you know, you talk about uh, your connections that your dad was in the Navy and and living in different parts of the U.S. What kind of things? Looking back now that you say early on, I had some early influences and what were they? Um, being um, in a military family, that's a whole different world. Mm. Um, and a lot of people here in Clarksville can relate with Fort Campbell nearby. Um, I was fortunate where I came in. When I came in the world, my dad was more landlocked in San Diego Um for most of my early childhood. So a lot of my influences in my childhood kind of came from living in Southern California. Um, and um, what was the rest of that question? <laughs> so, yeah, what kind of, you know, what did you as a young Reggie, what did you like to be involved with? Okay. So um, my dad was a closet musician. He didn't bring it out much kind of more private. We would often see him in the living room conducting. He had the reel-to-reel. This was in the late 60s, early 70s. And one of his favorite um, music pieces to conduct to was Camelot. So I would often just sit sort of off 
because he didn't like people watching and um, enjoy it myself. So I always admired that. He played the trumpet and later on I learned he had all learned to play the piano, but I didn't know that in my early childhood. I learned that in my teens when he actually rented a piano and had me and my younger brother um, learn the piano a little bit. So that was a big influence. My older brother also played an instrument at that time, and I would go to his school concerts. He played the trumpet and picked up on his own the bass guitar. Uh, so he was in jazz band and he was in concert band. So I'd often go to his high school performances. So that's how music came in. But it also came in, it reminds me of this little record player I had, and I had 45s, those little 45 records, and I'd play them all the time, and I would make... Um, I'd write out these variety shows because in those days, variety shows were big on TV. Um, we had the Sonny and Cher, yeah. you had Donnie and Marie yeah. and, and you had laugh and you had a lot of shows that were variety shows. So I would, me and a couple of my neighborhood friends in San Diego, we would, um, write up variety shows, um, skits, singing, uh, it was really fun. And we put it on for our neighbor, our neighbors. Um, so that was an influence. The other thing is we had an annual trip to Disneyland, uh, which was about an hour and a half away from our house. So Disney was a big part of my life. And I had several 45s of Disney songs. So music has always been uh, a part of me um, for many reasons. It's sort of an escape when things were hard. It's also an expression. Um, but in my early years, I never picked up an instrument, but I certainly was uh, surrounded by music. That's a, that's really cool. And, you know, it's funny that those early influences, you know, stick stuck around with you for um, in different ways. And, and we're going to talk about how you've even picked up uh, some of that even <laughs> as you move back. Um, but what kind of things did you like to do in high school? And, and um you know, how did you get, because I think you moved at some point in time to the Clarksville area. Yes. So from San Diego, um, my father and my brothers and I, he had gone through a divorce and retired from the Navy and he worked for a Navy contractor in Maryland. So we ended up in Maryland during my eighth grade through 12th grade years. And when I arrived in Maryland, I showed up for the first day in this middle school, some rural middle school, so different than San Diego. <laughs> and I said, I want to join band. <laughs> so the band, I'm a, a girl on the bus was in band. My first friend, she played the sax. I want to play sax. I want to be in the band. And there were too many sax players. So the band director suggested the flute. So my dad went to the local music store, rent to own a flute for me, real cheap little Bundy flute. And I joined band in the eighth grade, not even ever picking up an instrument before. So that's how music started uh, in school. Um, I was also um, involved in the arts. I, I love to draw. Um, later on, I was an art major at Austin P for a little while too. Um, and then when I went over to high school again, I stayed in band, but I also became I'm very, I call it social intelligence. I, I really liked to encourage people. So I became a cheerleader. Um, and the side note is that my husband now, he was on the football team then. <laughs> so really? We, yeah, we got reacquainted 30 years later. I was a cheerleader. He was a football player. It's just a funny little story. We met when we were 14. Um, so it's, 
it, it was really influential. Music was just a big part of my life. Um, and um, high school was hard. It, those were hard days. My my father had divorced and my mother had some struggles and my my older brother had some struggles and he lay, he eventually went into the Marines. So it was a hard time. So the arts, which mainly was music, was sort of um, the thing that cheered me up and kept me going. Um, so I, I remember that a lot about high school. I did for a short period of time come to Clarksville during my senior year um, to live with my mother who her husband there, my father and mother were from Wisconsin. Her husband at the time worked for train was transferred to Clarksville okay. the, just shortly before I came to live with them. And I went to Northeast high school uh, and was in the band <laughs> there as well. And I stayed here for a little while, uh, but I wanted to go graduate from the high school I had been in. So I returned back to Maryland. But after I graduated, I came back to Clarksville. Well, I'll be. And, you know, after high school, you, you mentioned that you were considering whether or not you should join your brother and follow the military route. But um, that's right. Luckily for us, you, you chose not to be, <laughs> but there must have been a, 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 as we say, a fork in the road where you, you know, it was a real life decision for you. Well, I didn't um, have a family, maybe the background we had, they didn't prepare us for college. Um, college was not even, it was the, if you got in college, it was on your own, um, on your own. Right. And so when I came to Clarksville, I worked at a drugstore cause I, it's, I didn't have any money to go to college and I was just trying to figure out what I was going to do. I worked at Revco it used to be on Madison street where the Goodwill is. I used to walk there from near the, um, Wilma Rudolph used to be a pool golf course down there. Um, I also was a lifeguard here uh, in Clarksville in those years um, and just tried to figure it out. But my brother was reenlisting and he was visiting at the time. So he took me to the recruiting office. I had I didn't know what else to do with my life. I didn't know how I could get to college. So this seemed like a good opportunity. And so the recruiter suggested I audition for the Marine Corps Band program. And I said, well, I always wanted to be really good at something. <laughs> so <laughs> I went to Nashville. I auditioned. I got accepted. I went to, um, I took the physical, signed the, uh, took the oath, signed the papers. I was about to go to Ellis Island for boot camp when during the time I had to wait between signing the papers and um, going to boot camp, somebody told me to go to Austin P. They have financial aid, which I didn't remember learning about financial aid in high school. High school then um, didn't have as many resources to get kids in college as they do now. So I um, filled out the application and I got a loan to go to college. So I had to go to Nashville and request an honorable discharge from the oh. Marines before I even went. So it's just a funny story because the flute <laughs> was what was um, directing me even at that time in um, in my youth trying to figure out what to do. So I, so after high school, I worked a year and I started call Austin P in 1983, the fall okay. of 1983. And of course, you you your major was the one you graduated with, so. 
No. That wasn't my first major. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I think is an important story for all of our students to hear that there are oftentimes that's part of the learning process is finding out really what you where your talents are. So what, what was your major? I'm interested. Well, when I started, I was undeclared. Okay. I was taking core classes, but I did join the band. I think the band was a sense of community for me. Sure. Moving around a lot as a military child and then in a divorced family, um, you couldn't really build community outside in your neighborhood because it changed so often. But something about musicians and music um, built community. So I joined the band and met a lot of people in band that I'm still friends with who still are around here doing music. It's really kind of neat to learn yeah. that. Um, and I, um, it just depended on who I became friends with. So I joined a sorority. Again, I needed community. So the sorority experience, it was Alpha Delta Pi. It was their first recruitment year. They were brand new. Um, and I worked on so i got a a work study job to give me a little bit of money i lived on campus and i ate on campus and i worked on campus to make a little bit of money to buy my um membership do uh, to pay my membership dues for the sorority and um that was a good choice too again a sense of belonging um so during that time, I was taking classes, meeting people. I met a wonderful friend, uh, Karen Gleichman, and she was an art major. And I was like, I love art. I used to draw all the time when I was a kid. So um, Karen was amazing. So I started signing up for art classes. I'm going to be a graphic design major. So uh, for about a year and a half, I was taking art classes. It was wonderful. One, so I got really absorbed in Austin Peay's art program. So this little state school has extraordinary talent in their professors and in their students. And even back then, all the famous, the well-known um, art professors, Hofstetler and um, Bruce, I'm trying to think of Bruce's last name. We call him by his first name, graphic art, uh, art professor. Uh, so I really felt privileged to be in the midst of these greats at Austin P. And they had a wonderful art um resource area. It was in the Treyhern at that time. Right. Um, and everything was done by hand. And one fond memory of that is uh, toward the end when before I changed my major, they brought in the Apple computer. It was the little screen. It was brand new. <laughs> we used to do everything by hand. Yeah. They brought in the Apple computer and they started showing all the things it could do. Oh my gosh, we were all like our heads were exploding. So um but I realized, and I really thank the professors for letting me know, if you want to make a career of art, um, you know, you've got to be competitive. So I realized that I wasn't going to be able to cut it as an artist and make a living. So I had to think of another plan. But I'm really grateful for all of the art classes that I had. That's a, that's a great transition into, you know, for a student to feel like um, what they have learned is still useful because yeah. you stayed in the right college, thankfully. And and I don't know <laughs> if it was the College of Arts and Letters back then, but the fact that you transitioned into uh, you know, eventually the communicative arts degree, which uh, I think would have been perfect for you because you were you had uh, experiences both in theater and also you were such a, a wonderful communicator, a natural communicator that that those must have been really good classes for you. 
They were. I I sort of stumbled in the communication degree area by some of the experiences I had um, prior to making that decision. Um, I needed scholarship money. One way I got I got grant money, so I didn't have all loans. Is the president of the university, President Riggs' wife, Dr. Riggs, Judy Riggs. Um, she brought the sorority on campus. She um, set me up uh, with the financial aid director. So I got to meet him again. And they helped me find a way to get grants. So I was then had some loans and grants. So my loans got smaller, got more grants. Oh, then I was told about the Miss Austin P uh, State University pageant. Now, I'd only been in one pageant. Well, I was in Ferris to the Fair briefly when I first moved here, um, just because I had friends in it. Um, I did okay, didn't win, but it was fun. Um, but I was in Miss Northeast High my senior year, my first pageant ever. Oh, it was so clumsy and it was fun. And I played the flute. I got fourth runner up, ecstatic, thought that I, you know, won the lottery. It was really fun. I'm friends with several of those ladies in that pageant, by the way, still. <laughs> um so when I was at Austin P, I was taking flute lessons. I was in music classes early on, uh, or the band. So um, um, I signed up because there was a scholarship involved, a $2,000 scholarship even in that day. So that was really hefty. Wow. Um, and I borrowed clothes <laughs> um, for the pageant. Somebody Somebody bought me an evening gown for that pageant. Uh, a family, uh, a friend of the fam, my fam, my mother bought me. So it it took. I didn't do any of this on my own. It took um, so much support from other people for these these opportunities that mm -hmm. I had that helped steer me and direct me. And I played my flute. Um, worked on a piece from my my flute teacher said play this and I'll give you an accompanist and go play it out there. You know. Dean, you and I talked earlier about when you're young, you're a bit fearless. Yeah. <laughs> you don't you don't realize what you're doing. You're just focused like, I want to do that. And you don't think about all the other things. I'm so glad I was fearless um, because I won. <laughs> and yeah. this, this, this is 1985. That so, is awesome. And, you know, that that shows, again, I, I, your own personal growth, which um I see so so often in our students that, you know, you keep putting yourself out there. You keep challenging yourself into this new area. And uh, that was that was really cool. And that that led me to I think when I was looking over all your information, I said, have you always been good at everything that you've done? And and I, I and I don't mean to I know it takes a lot of you. You put a lot of your own work into all these things. Yes, um, that that took a lot of work. I I knew that you didn't have to be great at one thing. I knew that it's it's more of what you're you know kind of following your heart. And if your heart's in something, it shows. Uh, you don't have to be the best, but if you have your heart in it, there's something that connects with other people. And I think that was my. That was my pearl buttons, as they say in acting class. Um, that was something I had. I didn't necessarily have the best talent. Mm -hmm. um, I was a very shy girl. So even to 
um, be in those interviews in those days and being on stage. It took a lot of uh, courage and yes, a lot of practice to do those things. And I was a lifeguard. So the swimsuit wasn't an issue in those days for me. Um, I was I worked in a swimsuit. It was no big deal. Um, but the neat thing about Miss Austin P State University is um, when I was a little girl um, in San Diego, I used to watch the Miss America pageant. I remember when I was six years old, my dad knew how much I liked the pageant. I got a Halloween Miss America costume. It was so cute. You know, those little masks, those little paper-like masks and those really cheap dress-like costumes in those days. And then the next year, the bar, the Miss America Barbie came out. So my dad had bought me a Miss America Barbie. And this is like six and seven years old. Fast forward, I'm in Miss Austin P. And I get word that it goes to Miss Tennessee. I don't know what that means. Well, after I won, you go to Miss Tennessee. That goes to Miss America. I went, what? <laughs> you mean I'm going to be able to go um, compete in that Miss America system. So that was very exciting. And the Miss Austin P before me, student Sharon Bell, now Sharon Burkhart, she loaned me all her clothes from the year before. She had been in it and she was runner up both times. She didn't win, but she was definitely someone who helped me learn the whole pageant wow. Um the whole pageant system, and then let me wear her clothes the year I competed as Miss Austin P State University. And that year, because of all that support, I was second runner-up that year. This was 1985. So that was that. Gave, that must have been encouraging to you that you this this is something you should continue to do. Well, what I started to realize which sometimes only if you put yourself out there, do you even know what you're capable of, mm. um, is I was speaking to a lot of people. I was performing. I was um, being an ambassador for the university. Um, I also got more scholarship when I went to Miss Tennessee. And what I realized is when I was around people that I just loved interacting with people, especially children in that capacity, something about a crown, <laughs> but in that capacity, I realized that there's something there that I want to explore. So that may helped me kind of uh, shift into the communication area and broadcast journalism. Okay. So uh, let's talk a little bit about, let's get you back in the classroom. Uh, what other professors did you have at, that helped you both in theater and, and in broadcasting? Who do you remember? Bum well, Palco was there back then. Uh, okay. he, he was pretty new and the radio station had just been put on campus. This was like the second year, but that's a little later. Um, so when I first went into communications, um, I was doing a lot of theater. <laughs> so, you know, I, I Austin P just had all of, I know, because here I was, well, I was doing community theater. I had done a Fort Campbell dinner theater in my 18, 19 year old years. And then I was at the Roxy when I was 20, when that opened up, I did a wow. show there. So I was starting to meet a lot of um, artistic people at Austin P. And so um, I 
because having a communication degree said you can take an elective and one of the electives was an acting class. So I took an acting class and they had a guest artist. They were raising money for the Center of Excellence back then. It was just starting. This was in 1986. And they were just starting the Roy A. Cuff Center of Excellence. And they brought in a guest artist acting teacher from New York City. Her name was Jackie Berger. So I took classes from a real New York actress. Oh, my gosh. That just opened up my mind. (laughs) That was amazing. And um, during that time, she had a lot of connections in New York. And there's one story, I'll just little nugget of a story that Austin P can be proud of. Um, Jackie was friends of the playwright who wrote the, the play Nuts that became a movie that Barbara Streisand was in. But before it even made it to Broadway, um, Jackie, the acting teacher, brought it to Austin P got the several of the staff, the the professors, Dr. Filippo even, he was there then. He's retired now, but what an amazing teacher. And um, many students, and we all did cold reading. We we did it, uh, we practiced it, and then we performed it for the community. Um, and that was before it became famous and got all the awards on Broadway and there was a movie made of it. So that was kind of neat that Jackie brought in this um, playwright, Um, but also at Austin P because of the center of excellence and they really wanted to start with a big bang. Jackie got a, uh, the next fall, um, a famous playwright by the name of Arthur Copet to come and produce and direct a a theater program, something that could get Austin P a lot of attention. So that came the next fall. So I was still taking uh, communication classes. Um, Gocher, uh, Dr. Gocher. Yeah, uh, Gocher. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was, yeah, it was before he got his doctorate, Mike Gocher and his wife. They were professors and he was an amazing um, speech teacher. I recall. I definitely got a lot from him that helped me um, in along my educational path and even for Miss Tennessee. But the theater department was really dynamic in those days that I was there. Wow. I would tell you more, but I'm watching. I mean, I'm waiting for you to ask me more. So I don't want to. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, it. I, for, and I'm a little bit amazed because you're you're in your short time in college. Well, you said you took a little bit of extended time, which is I understand <laughs> now why you did that, because yeah. what weren't you doing during your time as an Austin P student? Yeah. So so on that note, I. The next fall, Arthur Kopik came. He's this wild, crazy, out-of-the-box New Yorker playwright. And um, they have this idea to put on this production for the Bell Witch legend. Okay. They didn't know exactly what it would be, but they wanted to do something really artsy that would get the university a lot of attention. So Jackie invited me to participate in that. I didn't think I would be good enough or, you know, I just did a little community theater. I wasn't on, I didn't do theater at Austin P yet, just acting class, but I was invited to participate um, in this program. 
Now, that fall, I had just won another preliminary pageant in Brownsville, Tennessee, that goes to Miss Tennessee, because in those days, you could only compete twice to try to win Miss Tennessee, which goes to Miss America. So I had won a preliminary, and I was working also to go to Miss Tennessee that following summer. So this is the fall of 86 that Arthur Copa came. And then the fall, the summer of 87 is when I returned back to Austin P. So this year, 86 to 87 was so transformative for me at mm. Austin P State University in the theater department, the music department. It, it was a transformative year. Um, so this bell, Witch legend, have you heard? Of um, course it's uh, <laughs> and, and the fact that they still do, you know, uh, the, the spirit play here, which is my understanding kind of came out of that project. Yes, that's I heard that, too. I haven't seen it yet. So um, what Arthur Copet brought is this new theater experience. And um, it was process theater, so to speak. So we researched the legend, students being we, um, for uh, several months. And we would improv. We would do lots of improvisation to sort of consider the era what was going on in the time of the bell, which is such great theater education, uh, also writing education. We would research it. We would try things out. We would try different roles, um, different actors so that everyone felt they could participate. We went out to the live farm. I can't remember this. Some settlers from the 1800s. There's a place you can go near here. Adams. I don't know if it's not Adams, but there's a, there's a part, uh, I think it's in Kentucky where they enact, reenact the 1800s. Oh, okay. So we went there, what it was it like to live in those times. Um, and I remember one specific experience that was really cathartic in as a as an aspiring actress. David Alford, who's the one who ended up writing Spirit, and I met him during this project. He and I were given the task to go to Nashville and go to their archives and look up the minutes of the church in Adams that the Bell family attended. Because in the legend book, it alludes to some things, but it doesn't go into detail. So David and I were researching the details of the Bell family. And we discovered that John Bell, the father of Betsy Bell, was excommunicated from the church. Now that's huge in that time because mm -hmm. all these things um, related to why this legend came about, what was going on in Adams at the time that they thought these spirit, this evil spirit was in the town. So that was exciting. And then um, the next semester, the they had quarters in those days. So it was winter quarter. Um, Arthur brought in specialists from New York, Marlo Thomas, as an actress, she came and talked to us as actors, and we did this amazing performance. Um, and it was it was improvisational mostly, and there was gauze for walls, people walked around the stage, all this lighting created different dynamics, and Arthur would come around and whisper in our ear and tell us the direction he wanted us to go. And we went, we had no scripts. So that that I learned that David Alford went on 
from that experience, it created something wonderful for Adams and Clarksville and Austin P. That's the power of education at Austin P. Holy cow. Yeah. So not only do you get to have that experience, but then take us to Miss Tennessee. How did that happen? (laughs) So I think the theater experience I had and the music teacher. So at the time I'm studying in the music department, which was in the Clement in the basement. And my flute teacher was Lloyd B. King. He was also a special guest professor. He was a jazz flutist from Chicago. He also played classical, showed everyone he could, but he's mainly jazz. Uh, um, He helped me become more expressive as as a musician. Um, So I was taking lessons with him, preparing this competition piece for Miss Tennessee. So the first time I went to Miss Tennessee as Miss Austin P., I played a sonata. A classical piece it was very nice. Sure. The second time I went, Lloyd B. King and another graduate student, Paul Binkley, helped put together uh, a jazz gospel medley for me to play at Miss Tennessee. Because it's the audience. You have to appeal to the audience. So we did this amazing um, arrangement, and they helped me put the, to the performance together. I also worked with a jazz a flutist in Memphis that I had met during my um, training for Miss Tennessee. And uh, so after this amazing experience with the Bell Witch, it was called Bell Witch Variations, um, and Arthur Copet and Jackie Berger and these fellow students, I then was going to compete in, in a couple more weeks in the Miss Tennessee pageant. And... Um, I contribute a lot of my confidence, a lot of my um, my courage <laughs> to take that risk to what I was doing at Austin P um, in the theater department, in the communications department, and in the music department. And all of that came together and it gelled and magic happened. And I just happened to win that year. That's That must have been... You you must have been out of your mind in terms of the fact that you are now in the Miss USA, the Miss America pageant. It is the Miss America in those oh, days, Miss, Miss USA. Yeah, is Miss diff- USA is a, was a different thing without talent competition. But for someone who was so shy, didn't think she was really good at anything, here I am. And even, you know, my clothes were all borrowed the first year. My flute was borrowed when I was Miss Austin P. So when I won the preliminary to go back to Miss Tennessee, I bought a flute from a studio musician in Nashville. So I now had a flute. Um, I rented my clothes. I A family donated evening, an evening gown and the swimsuit. And so it was because of other people that I got there. That that was definitely um, something that I've always been so grateful for and encourage others is you can have a dream and not have any idea. You can have a dream at six years old Mm. and not have any idea how you're going to get there. And there you are standing on the stage under the neon Miss America sign going, oh, my God, how did this happen? So what I would tell students in that scenario is don't be afraid to dream big. Because you don't know all the things that can come into place just by taking that first step. And with that first step, showed me the next step. And with that next step, then the next step showed up. And then people started showing up and helping. And um, 
again, I know it had a lot to do with my education at Austin P that prepared me to be on that stage, compete, and really feel like I had something to offer as an ambassador to the state of Tennessee, and then show up at Miss America. <laughs> and and that, that that's a wonderful testimony to the the legacy that he has been existent here at Austin P since the, the since the eighties when you were and I know there was even before that but you are evidence of that sort of legacy and how it exists and and um, I know that we have uh we're we're running out of time because i i wanted to just give a little bit of a wrap you've had different um phases within your life you went to california you were uh you you took uh you were an actress and you you were in different things um over that period of time um what did you think you learned about yourself well the interesting thing is I took Austin P with me. My first two roommates were Austin P students. My first interview with an agent at a major talent agency was from a contact at Austin P. Uh, yeah. So um, that helped me get there. And, and uh, what I would say is follow your dreams. You don't know um the possibilities of what will show up. I remember at Miss America, one of the judges said to me when I put on my resume that I wanted to be an actress, but, you know, my plan B was broadcast journalism. <laughs> and that that judge um, said, you can't have a plan B. And um, mm -hmm. now I don't know about that, but I still felt confident to at least try to go out there and take a chance, learn about it. There's so many things you don't know. You have a dream, go for it. You're going to learn so much along the way. Um, it's not so much the destination that's that's the true gift. It's the journey toward something, toward a goal. And yes, I was very fortunate to have some amazing acting teachers in California. I had a good job at a law firm. Well, my first job was a tour guide at Universal Studios. That was a dream. <laughs> so that was really fun, but it wasn't paying my rent. So I got a job at a law firm as a clerk, which was flexible. So I could go to auditions and I could afford classes. I could afford my rent. I could afford to eat at least month to month anyway. And that was so exciting. I learned so much about myself. I learned so much about the entertainment industry. Yeah. And I learned so much about other things too. It exposed me to so many other things that eventually led to a pivot in my life mm -hmm. um, into uh, spiritual studies, uh, healing arts, and eventually, after becoming a mother and realized how much I love little kids, a school teacher, a public school teacher. And um, so I ended up in South Pasadena at a public school teaching kindergarten through fifth grade. Oh, my God, I had no idea how much I would love that career. And um, so when my son graduated college, it was time for me to pivot again um, and make a new plan. Uh, then. COVID hit. <laughs> so that was, that was, that was more information that 
help you help me figure out a new plan. Mm -hmm. And through that, we realized how much family was important and that my husband and I had the resources to be there for family. And Clarksville was centrally located. And uh, we sold our condo in San Diego and um, bought a house here in Clarksville, sight unseen with a sorority sister of mine from Austin P, Susan Durrett Nicholson. And um, we landed here. It was supposed to be part-time, but my husband's Again, magic happens. My husband's company was um, sold during the time we bought this house, and they had a to a company that had an office in Nashville. So we ended up here full time, and it's been it's been a homecoming ever since. I, I'm sure so many people were so happy to have you back in town because you are you are like a light. Sometimes, I mean, yeah, it, this just the fact that. Uh, the, there must have been some old friends you you got to see again, like you said, people even that you went to high school with. Well, I, I call it one degree of separation of all of Clarksville. <laughs> the community we bought a house in, I didn't know who the neighbors were. The first day I arrived, a neighbor comes run, walking out their door, waving at me, saying, and little did I know, my neighbor was Fred Landis, who I knew when I was at Austin P. because I was Miss Austin P. He was the banker at the time who did a lot of work with Austin P. And we knew each, we crossed paths many times when I was many times when I was in college. And there, he's my neighbor. Also, my another neighbor came by, stopped her car in front of my door. And she comes out and she says, I knew your mother. My mother has passed since. Um, and she was a dear friend of mine. And she said, and if there's anything you need, just let me know, because everybody needs a mama. So that was Susan Durrett Nichols' mother. Her, Susan Durrett Nichols' father is the one who bought me my first pageant dress. So like I said, wow. it's all connected. Something about Clarksville, something yeah. about Austin P. It just really builds um, these connections and they stay, they last. Yeah. And they they brought you back in. <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> you know, we, we always like to end the podcast with any, uh, you've already given, given some great recommendations for our students, but I always like to give the opportunity. Is there some other nugget that you want to share with students about? Um, you've, you've already given so much, but what do you think? Well, I, I did write down a couple of things when we were preparing for this podcast. And one, uh, I'll, I'll just read a couple of them. Yeah. One is that some dreams really do come true. So don't be afraid to dream. Mm. Um, and be open to how they show up. Uh, because when you're dreaming, you don't always see in full color. <laughs> you, you just see what you know. You don't yeah. see all the other possibilities that could be out there as well. The other, on that note, take risks, but before you do, establish and nurture some guardrails to protect your body, mind, and spirit. I'm really glad I did that, especially when I moved out to Los Angeles. I call It is the city of angels, and what I tell people when they ask me about my experience there, I said, well, it's the dark angels, and it's the light angels. <laughs> it's... There's a lot out there, and I was there in the in the late '80s, early '90s, and um, it was it was a, a scary time. But I'm so glad, getting all excited, <laughs> that I had some guardrails that I knew um, where I wanted to go, and I knew that if if 
you know, you don't venture out too far in the weeds. Um, in a city like that, there's a lot of drugs, a lot of excess, a lot of ego, a lot of celebrities, centralism. It So if, if you have guardrails, you can definitely direct yourself and stay whole, stay centered, stay well um, throughout your your journey in in that kind of fields. I'm I'm specifically speaking to the College of Arts and Letters, all these creative folks. Your guardrails are your guardrails. You make them what they're you make them for yourself and um and hold on to them really tight because they'll be tested. So that's that's another thing I would uh, share with students. And it's okay to pivot um, because magic happens anyway. If you go for a dream, you kind of make some strides. You might not make some level of success that maybe, you know, other people have in mind for you or even what you see in the media or you, you see in your field. But if something along the way directs you to pivot, like me having a child, discovering motherhood and children and getting all excited, using all my creative skills and my administrative skills into teaching, magic happens. I had so many magical moments with these kids that utilize all of what I learned at Austin P and throughout my experience in the creative arts, um, as well as the law firm and the healing arts. So just be open, but have guardrails because <laughs> nice. anything is possible. And what I really appreciate, not only you being on the podcast, Reggie, is the fact that you, I see you on campus, you are still connected oh. to Austin P and the College of Arts and Letters. Yes, <laughs> I did a brave thing. <laughs> I had a gap in my music education. Um, I learned mostly by ear and imitation. I kind of, I could barely read music. Um, and I knew that I wanted to find my way back. I wanted to fill that gap because it was another dream of mine. And my husband and I are at a place, our children are grown. And again, we're living in Tennessee, not expensive Southern California. And we could afford for me to go study music for a little while. And it's been really scary. And it's been absolutely wonderful at the same time. So yes, I'm back on campus and I volunteer for my sorority, the one that wow. gave me a community when I didn't have one. I helped them um, re renovate their townhouse. So it's been a, a joy to get reconnected that way too. Well, it's an honor to have not only the former Miss Austin P and also the Miss former Miss Tennessee on the podcast, the first ever for us. <laughs> it's been fun talking with you, Reggie. You, you too, Buzz. You and too. thanks to all of our viewers and listeners out there for checking out the podcast. We hope that you will join us as we continue to profile some of the outstanding alumni we have here in the College of Arts and Letters at Austin P. State University. So until next time, stay safe, take care, and God bless. Thank you.